0: totally believed that faith was real that god was real that you could have a personal relationship with god and that it would change your life and that's what like living was for for everyone except me like i would have pushed so hard for anyone else and like defended it to the like end but i was just like cool for everyone i'm the exception
1: thank you for listening to the collective church podcast Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series, or to find out more, you can head to slash ysm We hope you enjoy these stories. Thank you for listening to the Your Story Matters podcast, a podcast that we've been journeying through over the better part of half a year, um, where people sit down and they share their stories. And they talk about faith and life and the way that they've seen God um, in the highs and the lows. And um, we are currently uh, three quarters of the way through this podcast. And so um, I'm thankful that you're joining us today, but I do want to encourage you to, to go back and make sure that you listen to the episodes before this as well. Because so much about this podcast isn't just one story, uh, but the power of so many stories together and seeing God work through many people's lives through many people's trials show up in these incredible moments in their lives as well Um, and it really does show the fullness of who God is and while one story can show you who God is and what he's doing and why faith matters and why church matters um, it really is the power of all of them together so I do want to encourage you go back and check these out after you listen to the podcast today Um, Today I'm really excited because I have Sarah with me, and Sarah is one of our worship leaders at Collective, and um, so many of you uh, worship with us, and you sing with us, and you're a part of uh, really those beautiful moments on Sunday mornings, Um, and I know you're so thankful for the people who lead us in that, but you don't always know who they are. And so um, I'm excited for Sarah to be able to share a little bit about her story today um, which is kind of the the who she is behind the singing and the voice and the the leading us and so Sarah thank you for joining us thank you for sitting down and, and choosing more vulnerability today this is more intimidating than worship right
0: oh so much worse yeah yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. so uh, people think that because we're in a room and uh, because we both do stuff on stage that this is easier it's not <laughs> not not anymore close, um, but we're so thankful that you're willing to, to step into this today. So Sarah, um, the first question that we start with, tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was your family like? And specifically, what was faith like in that childhood?
0: Sure. So I was born and raised near Sarasota, Florida. Um, I lived in Florida my whole life before I moved to Maryland about two years ago. Um, so I will be the first to make fun of Florida. It's even more <laughs> ridiculous than you think it is. Yeah. I've, yeah. yeah, firsthand experience, I understand. But, yeah, um, so I have three siblings. Um, my parents had us all pretty close in age. so by the time, I'm the youngest. Well, tied for youngest. I have a twin. Yeah, um, yeah. So by the time me and my twin sister were born, my oldest sister was three and a half, and my brother was not even two. So my parents had four under four for a while. Holy so cow. I know, <laughs> pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, we were we were raised Catholic, um, kind of, I guess. Yeah. Um, we went to mass every Sunday, and we like prayed before dinner. But we didn't. My parents are not like touchy-feely people. We don't talk about things. Sure. So there was never conversations about faith, what sure. it meant, about what Catholicism meant, about who God was, any of those things. It was just kind of something that you did. Yeah. Um, so growing up, I guess I just didn't realize that there was anything more sure. than just going to church on Sundays and praying before dinner and before bed. But yeah, so me and my siblings did all of the sacraments of the catholic church so you do so we we're all baptized as babies um we did our first communion which you do in like first grade and then usually you um do a confirmation around high school that's when you get to like pick that you're like deciding to move forward with faith yep. um, and you really grow and learn in that and it's like that's like your declaration yep. um, to the world so my catholic church at the time that we went to um and i've still never heard of this being done anywhere yeah. else. But the bishop at the time was apparently like, I want all the kids to get confirmed at once. So oh, wow. we all went through the confirmation process. I was in third grade at the time. Yeah. So at the age of nine, I was making this decision. Sure. Um, I don't remember ever having a choice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so got confirmed at the age of nine. Um, I remember, going to a few classes and like Sunday school things sure. leading up into that. I couldn't tell you what I learned in any of those. I was yeah. nine. Um, but yeah, after the confirmation happened, we there were no more classes. We didn't go to anything. I didn't yeah. join any youth groups. I didn't do anything. So yeah. it was kind of just mass on Sundays a little bit. Um, didn't really know much about the yeah.
1: faith. So this throws me off, right? Because I, I have a... I have assumptions about Florida right (laughs) now. Most of them are like Florida man driven, but.
0: Sure, let's talk about it.
1: Yeah, like, but Florida is Bible Belt, like hard. Mm. And some of the biggest churches in the world are in Florida and they're like on the same street, right? Mm -hmm. So for you to grow up Catholic in Florida, I'm assuming that like most listeners are like me going, I didn't know that was there, you know, and like. Not in a sense of like, I didn't think there'd be Catholic churches in Florida, but you just never hear that. So for you, like, did you feel like the Christian culture that exists kind of heavily in Florida Was Sarasota a little bit different, right? Because it's not Orlando. It's not mm-hmm. um, Jacksonville, which has like these churches of like 20,000 people. How did, how did those two things interact or, or yeah, clear that up for us?
0: Sure. Um, so I... I didn't feel connected to any bigger sense of Christian faith at all. Um, Maybe it was just where I grew up, maybe it was the church and the school that I went to. Um, Our Catholic church that we were going to at the time was actually, it was weird, it was like a, um, like how you guys were at first, we were in the auditorium of a school, which I've never, yeah Yeah. we were portable, I've never heard of that for a Catholic church either, I think they were building a building, I don't know, it was weird, I don't remember why. But, yeah, it was a, it was a whole thing. Okay. Um, but it was actually in the auditorium of the school I was going to at the time. I went to a school that was grades 2 through 12. It wasn't a private school, but it was, like, you had to, like, IQ test to get into it, sure. like, that sort of thing. It was kind of small. It was kind of like a mini college campus. So I never felt... Connected to a bigger Christian faith. I always like I kind of just there's a big Jewish population there um, And in Sarasota, I think so I always kind of just Assume that everyone I meet is not a Christian like from that.
1: I think that's a really cool thing that you're sharing with us Because I I think sometimes people Kind of have this idea about Christianity by osmosis right Mm -hmm. so like if you grew up in the South, therefore you're around Jesus and you're around churches and there's good churches and there's bad, you know, all that stuff. So therefore you have a faith or, um, you know, even here, like it's not the same as, you know, kind of the Southern places. You know, I lived in Tennessee and there's 80 churches in between my college and the airport, which was like a 15 minute drive. Like it was nuts, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's not a everybody goes to church has faith type thing in Maryland, but we still kind of have that idea sometimes where it's like, jesus by osmosis like you're around jesus people therefore you're going to receive it but kind of what you're sharing with us is like that's garbage right (laughs) because even in a place that people would assume has a a huge christian culture that doesn't mean you're around it you're near it you're experiencing it any of those things um which is really interesting you know that's definitely not uh even in my own assumption of florida uh what i would assume and so that's a very different not childhood, but a very different kind of faith start Mm -hmm. for people who kind of live down in that area. Um, But you mentioned that once you were confirmed, there wasn't anything after that.
0: Right. So, I, yeah, I think that was kind of their mentality behind it. We still went to Mass on Sunday, most Sundays, um, but it never— it never really felt like that big of a priority either. Yeah. Um, we all played basketball and everything growing up. So there were a lot of tournaments on weekends and we would miss Sunday church yep. a lot. Um, but yeah, so it just, again, felt like something we did. It didn't really feel like a big part of our lives. Yeah.
1: Um, which, you know, there's, there are pieces, we've talked about this together actually, where even though it wasn't something that was super active, it still created some good, longings in you still created some some good things like you know so it's not to um you know we have people sit on this podcast who grew up in the catholic church and one thing we encourage them is like hey don't dismiss all of it mm-hmm. you know dismiss some of it that was like i don't know why we did this this felt like obligation rather than personal faith and growth um but there is something good about at least having some of that experience eventually once once you start like really choosing it for yourself which which comes kind of further down the road. And so, um, so kind of keep moving us forward in your, in your story, get confirmed. You kind of go back and forth. What is like the middle school years like having, you know, three siblings within a few years of each other, you know, do you guys stay in Florida, like all that stuff?
0: Yeah, so we stayed in Florida. Um, We were still, my parents are still in the same house. We were in um, everything. Again, we all went to the same school from second grade to 10th to 12th grade um, until we graduated. the way my parents kind of handled all of us, I think, is that they just, my two older siblings especially are, they were they were great, like perfect, made really good grades, did really good things outside of school. So my parents were kind of like, cool, this works. We're all gonna do this, like all sure. the kids. Sure. So um, the school that we went to was really hard um it was just known for being a lot of work to prepare you for later life i guess yeah. but so it kept us really busy and then they put us all through basketball and everything too i hated that yeah <laughs> i always felt very different from my siblings and my family um kind of like the black sheep i guess i mean we all make fun of it now yeah. i own it now it's fine yeah. but um growing up it was hard um i I was a lot more emotional. I'm very I'm a very emotionally driven person and no one else in my family okay. really is like that. Okay. Um so I guess I just struggled a lot in middle and high school just feeling not understood. Um, feeling like I was just being funneled into all of these things that I didn't want to do. Yeah. I wanted to be more creative. I wanted to do music. All these things my parents were like, huh, "No, you're just going to keep doing, yeah. you know." So I kind of just thought that's how life was. Like you just get through it. You do a bunch of work, you spend time doing things you don't want to do. And then you don't talk to anyone about it. Yeah. And I being so emotionally driven and all of that, I struggle with that a lot. I always had faith. Like, I'm very grateful that I was raised in that yeah. foundation, um, even though we didn't talk a lot about it, even though I didn't know a lot about it. Like, I'm very grateful that I was raised in a church um, that I knew that God existed. Yeah. Um, I don't remember ever having doubts about God existing, Good. which, yeah, I'm really grateful for. I just, um, I didn't know that it could go further. Sure, I sure. didn't know how to use it to help me. Yep. Um, so I just, like, I I didn't know how to how to grow closer to God, how to get that help through it. I just would, I feel like I would pray and just cry and be like, God, sure. why are you letting yeah, me feel this yeah. way? And that was it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started to struggle a lot with depression pretty early on. Start self-harming in middle school, I think, and just kept that going through high school. I just got really withdrawn. I didn't have the tools to, yep. you know, lean into anything to get any support, find any support in that. And my parents were very strict growing up as well, which you know is it's hard if if they don't communicate why they're strict. Yeah, clarity. So yeah, yeah no clarity. Um, and so I always just felt like. I was doing everything wrong. Like, it was my fault. I had no freedoms. Um, like, in high school, I wasn't allowed to get my driver's license either. So I just felt wow. very, like, very limited, um, n- very dependent, had no idea how to make any decisions for myself.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah, I just, I, I struggled a lot with yeah. that.
1: Yeah, and it feels, I mean, it seems pretty isolating too. And And you mentioned being emotionally driven mm-hmm. and... You know, one of the hard things about about faith is, you can have faith and be emotionally driven. You can also be data driven, right? Both both things, I think, can lead you closer to God if you know they can lead you closer to God. Yes, right, and so. For you growing up in kind of like an analytical house, you know, a rules-based house, but being you know a self-proclaimed like emotional person, like mm-hmm. it's hard when you don't know Jesus leans into the emotional side of things, yes, right, like fully, like that's not debated. Like our heart has to be such a part of our faith; it can't be removed because those things matter. Um, on the same side, there's other people who grow up in families that are like full emotionally driven, and then they don't talk about the details and the data and the science and the right. you know the the facts behind it, and right. so. Um, were you playing music at the time? Like, when? Like, did that start in middle school or high school, or did that come later?
0: So I, it was always something that I wanted to do, um, but it was never really something I was able to do. So I ended up buying myself an acoustic guitar. Wow. I think in seventh grade, okay. maybe. Um, and I like wasn't allowed to take any lessons for it or anything. So I would ju- I taught myself how to play, but only just like. In my bedroom like at night when yeah. no one was listening, or if like no one was home, like that's the only time I would play. Wow. Um so it was just like a very personal thing that I had that I always felt very connected to and wanted to do something more with, but never thought I would ever have that opportunity. Yeah. So
1: Well and and being a part of the Catholic Church, not p- probably experiencing like worship. Yeah, With a guitar.
0: Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: So that's weird. Yeah. So it's, it's funny because you're sharing all this stuff because people see you on stage and they'll go, mm. she's probably been doing this her whole life. And you're like, <laughs> Definitely not. No, no, yeah. no. This is a journey and a, and a process and a lot of your story kind of leads to that. Mm-hmm. So so you mentioned in middle school and really through high school, there's a lot of um, depression and mental illness, mental health struggles. Mm-hmm. Was that something that you guys ever talked about or was it? No. Was it aware? like? <sighs>
0: I, I tried to hide a lot of things yeah. all the self-harm and everything but i feel like there's no way you can hide it that well yeah. they have to know but no one ever said anything yeah um i did eventually i think end of high school like asked to go to therapy yeah. because after a while i was like i guess i need help but it was it was a weird thing like it, yeah. it kind of got into it didn't last very long wasn't very helpful um but yeah, no, it was really just something I I dealt with on my own um, for a long time. I thought that everyone just dealt with that and that yeah. everyone was just keeping it together. It was just a thing. Like, yeah. so I was just like, you know, you're you're not special. Like, you yeah, can handle yeah, it. Yeah, everyone handles yeah. it. You know, it's fine. So, so yeah, it was just a very uh, a solitary thing. Um, I didn't know how to get help. I didn't know yeah. how to ask for help or anything. I just yeah, a few times like if I was really depressed and withdrawn. I remember a few times my, yeah, mom would just make comments that like I was on drugs or something sure. and just try sure. to like turn on me and I'd be like, no, I'm not like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Like, how is this still something I'm doing wrong? You know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah.
1: When I do want to point out too, one of the things that you're, you're talking about is like, it's, it's not a, you know, people not understanding mental health or even that feeling that like everybody goes through things, just get over it. That that's not something that like you experienced in church or through faith. It's just something you experienced through life. A lot of times yes. um, in in faith and in Christianity, we don't do a very good job when it comes to mental health mental illness because um, there's a lot of like, hey, just pray it away. And it's like mm-hmm. totally, prayer should absolutely be a part of that, but also counseling should be and sometimes medicine should be if you need it, like those types of things. But I, I do want to say like a lot of us grew up with parents who had no – tools yeah. when it came to any of this. And the end result was, in my opinion, and I can speak for my own family, them seeing things were wrong, not knowing how to fix it, and then just going, well, if we pretend it isn't there, then I can't fail at trying to help them or all that. And that's a, what a lot of our parents did. Right. And it sucks, right? And it led to a lot of you know people now in their 20s and 30s going, crap, I need to deal with this stuff, and a lot of 20s and 30 year olds are kind of digging deep on that. Um, but that's that's a reason why we have to talk about it, right? The reason why you have to, and and we need you to sit on this podcast and share is because there are other people in their 20s and 30s who were raised similarly, you know, whether it's, you know, by parents who were analytical or by parents who had faith, or even if it's parents who didn't have faith but didn't have the tools to deal with mental illness, um, a lot of us are going, I don't want to do that to myself or my own right. you know, future children, whatever it is but we have you have that's why we have to talk about it right and it's not to say that your parents didn't care about it mm-hmm. it's that they had no freaking clue what to do with it right. and you know we that's part of the reason why it's like no we have to have conversations because there is stuff you can do and mm-hmm. yeah like i think everybody battles some sort of mental health something whether it's a season or whether it's long term but we still pretend like that's your problem we're not going to talk about it right and so for you to carry that as a middle school in a high school, that's that's really heavy. And I'm sure it impacted other parts of your life. So um, what was the outcome of all that as you got toward the end of high school?
0: Sure, um, I think it just left me in a very vulnerable place. I was searching for something bigger than myself, um, which I didn't know was God at the time. I thought I knew God, sure. I thought I had faith, but yeah, it just left me vulnerable. Um, I ended up, end of high school, in a relationship that wasn't good for me. Um, It was, it was my senior year, or right before, I think, but it was with someone who was a few years older, so he was actually in college um, in a different area, so most of it was long distance, um, and it was, it was very emotionally intense right away, so I, like, felt, seen in that way um in a way i never had i was like oh this is you know what i've been missing this is great um it very quickly he i think recognized how vulnerable i was and took advantage of that super quickly it became very manipulative it became very emotionally abusive um kind of the classic started isolating me from my family and friends um making me completely dependent on him for all of my emotions getting through things and then would turn it around um, there were a lot of threats, a lot of things that I was wow. completely unprepared to deal with <laughs> growing yeah, up. Yeah. Um, so I, this went on for almost a year Wow. and I, again, yeah, had no one to turn to. I was trying to keep it all secret from my family sure. as well. Um, I get like the whole relationship, everything. I think they knew something was going mm-hmm. on. I think they really judged me for it. Um, but I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know that I should. I thought that it was all my fault, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it got it, it spiraled a lot. It got bad. I felt very out of control I, I think it only finally ended because I ended up Not going to college where he was going to college, which was the original plan. Yeah, um, I ended up staying in florida so That was another I Had no idea where I wanted to go to college. No idea what I wanted to study. Um, didn't know how to Go after what I liked or make decisions sure. for myself. So I felt very lost All I knew was I wanted to get as far away from Florida as possible. Yeah, so that was my one goal Yeah, I applied to a bunch of colleges out of state But I basically needed a full ride to go anywhere out of state did not get that got a full ride to the University of Florida My absolute last choice yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Ended up going there. Um, I was miserable about it. Yeah, but God knows better obviously yeah. um, there's that that's exactly where I was supposed to be, of course. Yeah. I then ended up going to college. Finally had freedom for the first time. Freshman year, you know, just turned into a lot of, you know, drinking, yep. a lot of a lot of studying, um, just trying to get away from things. Ended up in another relationship with someone who treated me terribly. Yes. Couldn't tell you why. I don't even yeah. think I enjoyed this person's presence at all, but I think I just thought that's what I deserved at the time. Um, Faith wasn't really a big part of college at first, as you know, with a lot of people. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know if it even really occurred to me much Now that I wasn't going to church with my family to go to church there. Probably halfway through the first semester, um, you know, I was just, you know, struggling, thinking I was doing fine, not doing fine at all, just making all these terrible decisions, going down the same paths of like self-destruction that I had before. Um, but my sister, my twin sister, called me. She was going to college in New Orleans at the time. So we were further apart, but we kept in touch a lot. And she had gotten really involved with the Catholic Center in church at her college. And she was just like, she went on a retreat. She got really involved with the community. She wow. finally figured out that, like, it was possible to have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And she called me, and she was like, you have you have to do this. You have to also, like, experience this. Yeah. And she was using words like Christ, and I was like, this is weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, this, uh, okay, like, yeah. we've been to church. What are you? <laughs> yeah. Now you're in the weird church world. Like, yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. But she was That's like, good. you have to try it. And then she... She sent me a song to listen to, and I grew up in Catholic church. Didn't really know anything about worship. We were like 10 years behind. Like the contemporary mass was like Chris Tomlin, um, sung by like opera cantors. So, you know, (laughs) that was what I knew. like
1: a double whammy on that one too. I know. Yeah. There's yeah. A, yeah,
0: a lot to unpack there, but um, but yeah, so then she sent me the song Oceans by Hillsong to listen to, and I had never really heard Christian music like that, and I, you know, loved music, wanted to get into it, um, and it just, it kind of really opened, I was like, there's a whole other world yeah. of faith out there, like, there are people where it's like, like, it's, this is my sister who grew up, like, right alongside of, um, this is, like, impacting her life so much. There's like all this music out there I didn't know existed. Like yeah. there's more to this. Yeah. So I was like, I, I need like I have nowhere else to go. I need this. So I started going to church at um, uh, my college. Yeah. The Catholic Church there. Um, got involved with the Bible study and just started trying really hard <laughs> to know about faith yeah. and get into it. A lot of good things came out of it. I still struggled a lot with finding a personal relationship with Jesus. I now knew it was possible. I didn't know how to do it. Um, I felt like with all the people at that church, with my sister, it came so easily to them. Like they showed up, did all the things, and they were like, this is amazing. And I showed up and did all the things. and I was like, Am I missing something? Sure. Um, and i I thought it was me. I thought that there was something about me that just brought out the worst in people that God made a mistake on and I thought that that was as close as it could get for me. I fully, I was in a weird place. I think at the time I totally believed that faith was real, that God was real, that you could have a personal relationship with God and that it would change your life and that's what like living was for, for everyone except me. Like I just thought that that relationship was never something that was going to happen for me. Like I would have Push so hard for anyone else and, like, defended sure. it to yeah. the, like, end. But I was just like, cool, for everyone, I'm the exception. That's wow. fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I lived for a while. But it did build me this really great foundation where I knew that there was more and Good. I knew that I wanted to keep pushing more. Yeah. Um, so that brought me to the summer after my freshman year of college, moved back home, which is always, you know, it's a little bit so, of a struggle. It's so hard, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, But my sister was home with me. She like found a summer job right away. I was doing things. I like finally found like a job, Um, nannying kids. I, that summer started to feel pretty sick. Um, I've always had weird migraines um like my whole life started getting like first grade um where you know i just get a lot of weird symptoms with my migraines like i don't even get a headache a lot of times i just get like these stroke-like symptoms so that's a good time you know but it started getting a lot worse um and i would notice like like my hands were going numb and just staying numb wow. and like but it was kind of just where I was like huh this is weird sure but like my my job that summer was nannying for five kids and what that's like heck? not a good time when you're having migraines every day yeah. uh, but i just thought it was you know normal for me went to the doctor for my like annual checkup end of summer like i always did uh just kind of mentioned it to them and she was just like oh have you ever gotten a cat scan before and i was like nope and she was like yeah you should you should probably get one so i was like okay so Sent me, got a CAT scan. The next day, they called me and they're like, "You should get an MRI." So I was like, "Okay." I was leaving for college. I think the next week at this wow. point, um, just turned 20, was really excited to go back to school. Was like excited to you know keep going my faith, explore things, and um, got the MRI. I think moved to college two days later. I had gotten a call from the doctor where they're like, hey, we um, we found this like one condition. It's like a malformation, it's not a big deal. Um, and then there's also this like cyst, also not a big deal. So like you're fine. So I was like, oh, awesome, okay. Sure. So I moved back up. Like My family moved me into my new apartment and everything. I was excited for the year. Then they left the next day. I was about to start classes. I was getting coffee with a friend and my twin sister calls me. And she's like, hey, are you at your apartment? And I was like, no. And she was like, you should you should go back. And I was like, what? And she's like, you just go back. And I was like, are you here? And yeah. she's like, yeah. And I, they just draw me off and left. So I was like, what? This is weird. I knew something was wrong. Um, so I go back to my apartment. My mom and sister are sitting there. And they're like, the doctor called us. It's, they, It's a tumor. Like, they found it. And so... I still have mixed feelings about this, but because I was 20, you know, I was an adult but yeah. the doctor had called me found out I was on the way to college thought like I was driving myself Didn't want to give me bad news and then called my mom the next day sure, and told sure. them um, So Yeah, it was like everything stopped at that point. Yeah, both my parents came up my sister came up My brother came up um, and we were all staying at my aunt's house for a weekend I think this was on like a Thursday and then so my doctor um, back in Florida was like I can get you in. I, I know this neurosurgeon. He's really good He's only at like the University of Florida Hospital though. And I was like, oh, well, that's where I am yeah. So and they're like, okay, we can get you in on Tuesday. So I was like, okay Holy crap. so we Spent I guess five days just at my aunt's house just waiting, waiting. for this news um, Yeah, I tried it it was weird. Um, I was not very close with my family at the time. Yeah. And obviously now there's this big thing where they're all just looking at me every sure. second. And so sure. I'm trying to put on a good face. Um, yep. I... Was trying I, really hard not to like Google it, just to like, you know, yeah. I was like, you know, there's yeah. a plan, it's, it's a fine. Yeah. Now, uh, that lasted like 24 hours maybe. Yeah. Um, Googled it when I was like alone in a room time. It was not good. It's right in the middle of my brain, like a pineal gland. Assist cyst in that, like pretty common, not a big deal. A tumor there, not good. yeah um, So I was looking at it, the five-year prognosis, like, okay, eight-year prognosis, not good. So I just turned 20, and I was like, okay, yeah, maybe make it to 28. I remember going to church that Sunday, and I am—I mean, God plans everything. Like, He had given me that foundation of faith the year before He introduced me. So, like, I remember thinking, like, I wasn't mad at God. I was just kind of like, I guess this is go time. Like, this is the plan. Like, I always struggled, like, knowing where my life was going to go. This is where it's going to go, you know? Like, this is— where the purpose is, I guess, um, but I was, like, sitting next to my sister, and I was, like, okay, like, I'm probably not gonna get married. I'm not gonna have kids. Yeah. I'm not gonna see my sister have kids. Okay, like, this is how life is gonna go, and it just all kind of hit me. That was a hard thing to grasp, um, so I just, I but I thankfully had this blind faith. I didn't know where it was gonna go, but, you know, I, I had that to cling on to, so I did, um, Tuesday, we had the appointment. My whole family went. We were just sitting <laughs> in the waiting group. So we finally get called in. We walk into this office. We're all, like, terrified, obviously. Um, and the neurosurgeon, like, that we meet, he was just, like, saw all of us there, very confused. Yeah. And he's, like, okay, like, um, I guess it's good that you, like, uh, Chiari malformation, which is, like, the malformation thing I had. He's like, it's a good thing to keep an eye on, but, like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, it's fine. And we're like, and my mom's like, well, what about the tumor? And he's like, tumor? And then he's like, let me go look at the scans. And he, like, look. and he came back, and he's like, no, that's a cyst.
1: And oh I was like, gosh.
0: what? And he's like, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's just, I'm like, almost, and this is, like, you know, a renowned neurosurgeon. Yeah. So we were like, <laughs> what? Okay. Um, so then it's like, <laughs> you know, I guess I was saved i don't know yeah so then it was kind of just like all right cool my family left like i went back to college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and um yeah so
1: okay hold on <laughs> did you end up having any like procedures or anything like that like to deal with the cyst or
0: so no it okay. was the cyst was kind of something we'd keep an eye on then i got some more scans to figure out this brain malformation thing to have. And that ended up being a little bit bigger of a deal than they thought. Um, So basically the back of my skull was like malformed. It was putting pressure on my spinal cord. It was causing a lot of symptoms, like the numbness that I was feeling and all of that. Um, So I, it was causing also, like, a cyst in my spinal cord, which is basically just, like, slowly killing all of the nerves. Yeah. So they were like, you should probably get surgery to, like, create some more space in there. Yeah. Um, it can't fix any of the damage, but it should stop it from getting worse. Wow. So then that was fine at that point. I'm like, I can handle that. Yeah, that's, that. that's, like, that's easy. Yeah, like, that's easy isn't the right word, but so yeah. So that was, I was like, all right. So, um, yeah, went through my... Sophomore year of college, and then yeah, ended up getting that surgery after that. But
1: okay, I have to ask this question. Okay, you've mentioned before, like emotionally, like you're Mm -hmm. a high emotion person. You're literally processing your own death Mm -hmm. potential Mm -hmm. and the things that you will lose, like grief. You're you are grieving, not just loss, but like the loss of things that you think are going to happen in the future. Right. They're there. There's always that thing where I'm thankful that they're there. But are you guys talking about any of this stuff or is this just another one of those things where it's you and you're kind of white knuckling the emotional side of it really to be strong for them because yeah. you don't want to fall apart and make them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so what was that like?
0: Um, to be honest, that whole those days were kind of a blur. Yeah, um, yeah. But we, yeah, we didn't talk about it. A lot um we weren't gonna start now i think maybe if i they were all kind of looking to me i I, probably if i'd wanted to they you would have, but yeah. I just remember being hyper aware of like, okay, this is on me, like, it's gonna be fine. Yeah. So I, yeah, was just trying to put on a brave face. Like, I none of us felt like eating the entire time, obviously, oh, but yeah. I would like try to get second helpings of everything. Be like, see, it's fine, everything's fine. Yeah. So no, we didn't talk about it yeah, during or after. At
1: I mean, at any point of your life, that's tough. But as a twenty-year-old, like, to feel the weight of kind of the emotional um toll of your family, like, is it's it's a lot. But but one of the things that that we understand when it comes to emotions is if you don't deal with them, eventually they all have to come out eventually. And so this is another thing where like emotionally, you're just like, all right, well, I'm just gonna shove that deep down and kind of get through the next the next thing. And the highs and lows, like there's obviously joy that it wasn't a tumor, but then there's still the, I had to process my own death, which changes how you see life yeah. moving forward, right? You can't then just go back to the way you were thinking beforehand, because right. mortality is now a thing. Like it, it's always a thing, but it, it became real in that moment. Right. So then you have this surgery and you're just twenty. Yes. Right? Like that's a lot. Like how did that feel?
0: Honestly, this is gonna sound crazy. It felt like the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. Um my whole life I had always, you know, been struggling a lot with Mental health with depression with feeling like I didn't know where things were going Um, this gave me something concrete. It almost felt like a purpose. I was like here's something that I have to get through Like honestly the the year of school leading up like knowing that I was gonna get the surgery knowing that I just went through all of that Was probably the best place i've ever been in in my life. Yeah, um, so I mean, yeah the luckily so that all happened right before sophomore year, then I was in a better place where I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to die.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: um, I should just actually focus on the things that are important to me. Good. So I was like, I can't just keep, you know, self-destructing, getting into terrible relationships, like being around people that treat me terribly. Like yep. I've always wanted to do music. I'll try doing music. I'm not going to. Like date for a while. Like I'm just gonna take that out. Yep. I'm gonna just you know that's try always, it. I'm that's gonna always a my good faith. <laughs> I'm gonna right. <write. laughs> Wish really, I'd done that. Yeah, hard. yeah. But yeah. um, so yeah. Then like a few weeks after that, I saw a, a I don't know sign on campus or something for like this music organization at UF, and yeah. I was like, I've never played in front of anyone. Um, I'm gonna do this. So I showed up to that first meeting. Um, there was an open mic. I played a song at the open mic. I think it was my first time singing to a microphone. Wow. Um, and Ryan sits on my table and I start talking to him. We become friends. I was like, cool Like I'm not dating anyone. So this is great um, Like again, God knows what he's doing. Yeah. he put me in a good place. Um, I was very strong in my faith I was trying to grow I was just Taking things as they came I started like getting so many opportunities to play music through that and then you know Ended up meeting my husband at a time where I could actually appreciate meeting him yeah. and who he was and be ready for that so yeah. Yeah. So that was, yeah. Honestly, a that's, good year. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was a hard year. It didn't feel good at the time. Sure. Um. But yeah, it was. It was the best thing for me.
1: So you didn't know you could sing until you're in your twenties.
0: I always liked singing. I didn't know if other people would like me singing. Yeah.
1: That's that's kind of unbelievable. I, I mean, <laughs> it is unreal to me that you're like 20, 21, and you're like. I'm going to try to sing this song. And people are like, hey, you're good at this, you know? But I imagine there's a lot of relief with that, right? Because a lot of the things that you were looking for, a lot of the things that you like, your heart really was longing for, and really it's how God created you, right? So a lot of the times when we have this longing in our life, um, sometimes we fill the void, and it's like we're filling the God void with things that we shouldn't fill with God. But there's also these, like, these feelings in the back of our mind, and burden's not really the right word for it, but it's just like, there's more. There's something else. I'm created for something different. Yes. You know, and for you, it's you know not emotion. It's music, mm-hmm. right? And so there you are, in your mid twenties, after all these terrible things, and you're finally starting to figure out like this thing that God really placed on your heart years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as as that stuff started to progress, what was your faith like then?
0: Sure. So my relationship with Ryan especially was interesting for like faith at that time. So I, he was not Catholic, you know, I yep. I was ca- really trying to do a yep. Catholic thing. Yep. Um, so and again, I was I was trying really hard, still struggling with that relationship with Jesus. Um, Ryan was playing base for a church down there, so I would go see him every once in a while, and it was like this church, like it was a non-denominational, they were actually, I think, meeting in a middle school when I first, yeah, Yeah. so I would like see that and be like, oh wow, this is so cool, Um, I loved watching him play for churches like that, and I would be like, cool, Um, like maybe I'll do that one day, but like, yeah, who knows? Then there was a while where Ryan kind of brought me into it. I did start playing for one of those churches. Yeah. It was really cool. It felt like that's what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, It really did. Especially like getting to be up there with him. Can you do that? So, But I was doing this thing where I would um, get up early, play for a few services in the morning and then go to mass in the evenings. Yeah. And I was trying to like live the double church life, I yeah. guess, because yeah. I was like, okay, this is my fun church and this yeah. is my real church. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause I'm yeah. like, this is, this is too good, you know, yeah. like it yep. can't be what it, religion is supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know? So that's what I did the whole time I lived in Florida is wow. that I would play for a church in the morning and then go to mass in the evenings. Yeah. And, um, Ryan saw me struggling a lot with this I was struggling a lot to have a personal relationship to figure out where things like fit in for me I just felt like I was trying so hard and yeah. not getting things out of it and for Ryan It's just like it's like, you know, God's all around God's present. It's like it's a no-brainer Yeah, and I was like and you just see me struggling. He'd be like, why are you why are you putting yourself through this? And I was like, no, I'm just like I'm not doing something right. I'm sure. not doing it good enough. I don't know um, so that was that was a lot. He would try to help me through. He wouldn't know how to help me through it. Yeah. I didn't know how to help me through it. Um, I don't know, something that I just struggled with, I think, until we moved here. Yeah. So, so yeah, Ryan and I, um, we were talking about getting engaged. We were talking about moving out of Florida because at this point we <laughs> both graduated. Um, yeah. we were just living and working in Gainesville. We loved it, still love Gainesville, but we, Ryan had, born and raised in Gainesville's whole okay. life. I was like, we have to get you out of here. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're there's a grown more to man. This, yeah. I know. Like, um, so he started just applying for jobs, um, got a job offer out in Hagerstown, Maryland. Yeah, we have never thought about Maryland at all. Obviously never heard of Hagerstown. But then he discovered Frederick yeah. and we looked into it and we're like, oh, this could be good. And I don't remember even thinking about it that much, which is weird. Like we were moving to Maryland. Yeah. I had no job there. I had nothing. Yeah. And I just knew we were going to get engaged soon. But in my like mind, I think I was just like, cool, this is where we're going. So, yeah, he ended up taking a job. We had decided to move to Frederick. Um, we came and visited for like a couple days, yeah. fell in love with it. Um, and then in the meantime, we were trying to like look up churches because we're like, we definitely want to play for a church up yeah. there. That would be great. Ryan ended up moving, I think, two months earlier than me. So I was still finishing up my job there. He was starting his job. I was still looking for a place to live. He had found a place, all these things. So we were like long distance for a little bit. Yeah. He was trying, we had like created this list of churches nearby <laughs> like and he would go into each one <laughs> yeah. and would like report back. And so none of them like were really seemed like a fit yeah um so he would tell me he like maybe the i don't know and we you know had just been trying a bunch of different ones finally i ended up moving up here the next church on the list was collective um we knew nothing about it except like a lot of the bands around town had like a lot of older people and there was one picture online with like younger people yeah. in the band and we're like okay this could be good we went on a sunday and that we just knew we're like okay this is it wow. this is our new place the music was great um it was a lot more of the you know the the vibes we could already tell that there was a great community. Yeah um, Something we had struggled with in our church back in Florida that we played for was they Had like a really great production system put a lot of money into it. Yeah, all of these things Didn't really put any money toward the community It was always just like something yeah. that they would do later yep. And we kept seeing them show all of this money into like making everything look great yep. and not really making that big of an impact that was something that we were iffy about, but then we came here, I think the first Sunday that we came, you guys were talking about the grocery store buyout. And then there was a um, new church plant that you like immediately gave like a $5,000 check to or something. And we could tell it was a much smaller church. Like our other church was way bigger in Florida and you guys were much smaller and already just giving so much away. And we were like, all right, this is where we need to be. That's cool. So yeah, then I think we, Found Dylan. We're like he was on stage and yeah, talked yeah, to him. Yeah, um, yeah. And then yeah, just got an audition. And then I think Maggie went into labor like that Sunday. Oh gosh, so then yes, <laughs> John yes. called me like, "Hey, you want to start now?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Okay." Yeah. So yeah, and then it was—it's the best thing ever. Yeah,
1: it's—it's it's incredible because um, you know the first time you sang worship, and and you said it like we we have a really good band. And they're super talented. Their hearts are in it, yes. Which is huge. Um, it's not just we have this skill; therefore, we play this thing. Like, um, I think one of the things that I've always admired about our worship at Collective is that the people who lead it feel it. Okay. Yes, music is very kind of mathematical in a sense, and their structure and all that. But emotionally, like the people who who play worship, at least at Collective, like. They're singing the songs that they feel in their own life, not just singing the songs that are that are on the chord sheet and stuff like that. And um, I remember the first time you sang, and it was like, man, this girl feels this already. Um, I had no idea it was because of everything that you had gone through. In fact, I'm learning most of this right now. <laughs> and you and I have had conversations about other mm-hmm. stuff, but like, I think that's one of the things people feel when you sing is that you know those feelings. Right When we sing songs like Another in the Fire, it's like, I I know what this feels like. Um, One of the reasons why worship feels the way it does at Collective, and I imagine that's probably one of the reasons why I connected with you guys as well, where it's like, hey, this is music, but like this is feelings. Yes. There's a lot of big feelings in, in the way we do things here because we have them, yes. and we need to wrestle with them and, and feel them. So when you first started playing, though, you know, like going back to some of the faith stuff in the past, what has that journey been like? Because a, a move and a new church and a new opportunity creates kind of different openings of doors, um, new changes, you know, oper- different like I'm going to step into this part of my life. I'm going to you know, step into singing and playing in, in this band with with Ryan and this community of people around me that I know. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean like that first Sunday you're up there and went, oh, the yes. faith thing makes sense now, mm-hmm. right? Like you're still wrestling with it, even as you're up there. So, kind of talk to us through what that process has been like for kind of the. Like it's been about two years of of from the moment of like, hey, we want to be a part of this. It's kind of hitting those spots in your soul, and mm-hmm. but what has the last two years of like your faith journey felt like and been like?
0: So collective is the place where everything kind of just into place for me but accidentally um (laughs) I didn't realize it at first so yeah I came here started playing here felt felt more fulfilled than I ever have playing anywhere else this what like the community here is incredible um and I just felt so close to God like I felt like how you said about the feelings like such a gift that God gives us through worship but this church like really embraces it and like that's you know I talked about feeling so out of place with my emotions um growing up but like just having a place where i can just you know pour it into the hearts of other people on stage is like such a gift but yeah i was still i it it felt it felt too good it felt too easy um so (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah you know how that goes um so i was still trying i was trying to find a catholic church up here um when we moved up here we had just gotten engaged so we were planning our wedding down in florida as well with all of this and um, I was trying to get us married in the Catholic Church as well, but I was trying to find a church up here, like to go to in the evenings when mm-hmm. I, after I played yeah, here in the, the real morning. real church, yeah. <laughs> trying to find a real church. Um, and it just, nothing was coming into place at all. I would be calling churches, they wouldn't call me back. You have to do marriage prep. I mean, we wanted yeah. to, but you have to do it through the Catholic Church. Yeah. I was calling churches up here. I was calling churches in Florida. No one was calling me back. And so... Then I I was just struggling with that. I was like, why are things not working out? You know, why are things, what am I doing wrong again? Um, And it was after a Sunday when I was playing and I was talking to Mark Muller, drummer, and he was like, oh, how's the wedding planning going? And I was like, oh, I'm just trying to find like marriage prep and everything. And he's like, oh, you know, like my wife and I do that if you guys are interested. I don't know. And I was like, oh okay yeah. i guess and i didn't i just thought it was like a casual thing i didn't realize he was like the marriage prep person mm-hmm. yeah, for this yeah, whole church yeah. and they've been doing it for like so many years yeah. but i was like yeah i guess like i'll you know give him a call or something yeah. and started doing the absolute best thing we ever could have done yeah everything just fell into place and then i just realized like i have everything i need here like god is just giving me everything yeah. i have a community i and i just felt so much closer to him than i ever had like i just finally felt like i understood what the relationship meant and all that for the first time in my life. I don't know exactly when it happened, but I finally realized that I was just in the middle of all of it. And that was the best feeling ever. So I was like, why am I looking elsewhere? Why, like this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And that was a huge weight because I've never felt that in my life, that this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And I finally felt that and-
1: That's incredible. It was. Yeah. Um, One of the things that people might not know about you is, you know, you play guitar and you sing at Collective. Um, but I want to pivot a little bit and talk about how you serve also with Youth Collective. Yes. And Youth Collective is incredible. Uh, it's growing. Um, oh, yeah. It's fun <laughs> and chaotic. Yes. Um, but you serve on Wednesday nights there as well. Talk to us a little about about why you do that.
0: Sure. I guess why wouldn't I? Um, I just... This church, like I said, has been amazing. Like, I feel the most connected to God. I feel like He is actually—my whole life I have prayed for opportunities to feel closer to Him, to, like, serve Him, all these things, and I just felt like I was always around the corner from it and didn't know where to find it. Now I found this church. He's laying so many opportunities in front of me, and this is what I feel like I have to give. Um, So then that opportunity came around. I I love working with the kids. Like, the— we have the great kids here. They're crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: They're, they are wonderful.
0: Yes, they're the best. Yeah. Um, and just seeing the, those kids are really inspiring. I mean, you can see by all the baptisms that we've had yeah. like this past semester. It's yeah. amazing. These kids are just ready to be in their faith. Yeah. And it just kind of it reminds me of time. Like, I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have a youth group. I didn't have anything. Um, I could have so used Youth yeah. Collective um, when I was a kid. So I just really wanted to give that to them it would have really helped me to have someone like younger that had been through these things yeah. and was just like hey it's okay to find Jesus like it's yeah. not weird it's not not cool like yeah. it's actually really helpful this yeah. is what you're missing I would have loved that as a kid I needed that um, so I just want to give that to them if I can
1: yeah. yeah we know what those kids are going through and you know you share on this podcast like in middle school is when self-harm started happening that is what that is a reality. It is not an anomaly. Exactly. You know, and we feel like we are when we're in those places when we feel that depression we feel that anxiety, we feel that anger, you know, especially when you're a kid, you go, I'm broken. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong with me, right? And the, like, there is brokenness there, but it's like I am a bad person because I feel this way. Yes. But But one thing that we know now, especially is that like everybody starts feeling these things very early and you are giving up more time more emotion, you know, more vulnerability to make sure, you know, our middle school and high school girls know, hey, that feeling that you are feeling where you feel so freaking alone, like you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Um and that's what our students need more than anything cuz life is heavy. It's been heavy. Life has always been heavy. It's never not yes. been heavy. But for some reason we decided for a long time that we weren't going to talk about it. Right. And so here you are giving that that time to our students and it's incredible because I I know what our students are going through and I know what they've shared with you guys, um, and so this is just kind of like I guess not a warning but like some enlightenment to the parents that are listening. Like, you know what Sarah shared in her story. Like, our students are going through those types of things, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we pretend like they're not. Mm-hmm. And our middle schoolers feel those things, and our high schoolers feel those things. And and you are creating so much space for them to to know that they're not alone, which is. Uh, just incredible, considering you know you didn't have that, and for you to step into that, it's not because you had this example of it. It's you saying, "I don't know what this looks like, but I'm going to do it anyways." And uh, and we feel it, and we see it in the the growth and the healing and the and the the faith, really, of uh, these these kids who are becoming adults. Um, so let's talk about music for a second. Um, what if you had to pick one song that is your favorite worship song? Let's do this all time favorite, but then favorite one that you lead here at collective, right? because they might not be the same thing. What would those songs be?
0: It changes all the time, yeah, it just I mean like we've been given all these songs that speak to us in different moments. I think my favorite part about them is just when you're listening to a song and you've heard a million times and then it speaks to you in a different yep. way. yeah, that's so cool to me. um, my favorite one that we do here. You mentioned Another in the Fire earlier. Yeah. I, I'm partial to that one. Yeah, It's really, yeah. I really like So Will I as well, all the lyrics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's, I'm, yeah. I'm very partial to poetry and lyricism yep. like that, so yep. that one just really speaks to me as well. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my favorite song is just anyone that I get the opportunity to lead and to kind of, you yeah. know, just let God speak through me.
1: So. Yeah. Music is beautiful just in general, mm-hmm. and... Um, there's like so much psychology behind music. And when you sing with people, like you literally sync up with them, and you know, it, it's a physical syncing up. Like your heart will start beating on the same rhythm that other hearts will start beating on your bodies start moving the same way their bodies are moving. like it's it's incredible. But for me personally, I fell in love with church because of worship first. It was never teaching, it was never anything else. It was going to a church that played good worship and going, I'm feeling something. Not not being allowed to feel stuff as a middle school boy. Exactly. Going, I feel that feeling, and I think that's the thing that with worship that I love the most is like as you sing songs like "So Will I" or "Another in the Fire," um, or or tremble, and like you're leading through this moment, you're feeling like the emotions of the other people in the room. You know, worship culture was really hard when we were in the middle school because it was a middle school. Right. Then we went online, and it was like. We will no longer have a worship culture like people won't sing anymore but since being in this space and in the building that we're in it's almost like every week it's getting stronger and stronger and people are singing more and more and um it really is wonderful and you have a different perspective Um, i always say like when you preach i see things differently than everybody else and it's a really beautiful thing and i wish other people could see it but they can't and like the same is true for you guys to lead worship it's like you you see the fronts of people, not the backs of people, yeah. and it's and it's kind of unreal. Um, all right, so um, one of the questions we ask on the podcast uh, is about wisdom. Uh, wisdom is so important. It is a gift that God has given to us, and, um, you know, biblically we learn that wisdom was there at the beginning of time when God created the world, when God created Uh, man and woman in his image wisdom was a part of that right and so it's one of the reasons why we know that we're loved by God is because uh, the thought and time that went into God creating us Um, but wisdom also ends up being this gift that he gives us that we can then pass on to other people and so we ask everybody on the podcast hey what's one piece of advice what one piece of wisdom that you would like to share um, for people who are going through what you've been through to help people, to stop them from going through what you've been through, or even just like knowing there are people in seasons right now that feel similar to you where they're going, I just don't, I don't understand any of these. I know something's out there, but I don't, I don't know where I'm at. Um, What, what piece of advice, what wisdom would you want to share with everybody listening today?
0: I guess, I mean, we, we know that life is really hard. (laughs) Life sucks and a lot of things will get thrown at you and having faith in God does not make, things easier. does not make the hard things not come, but it, God will use the hardest things in your life to make the best things out of your life if you let him. So I guess that would be my advice, is just go into, if God gives you something hard and painful in life, like, if you lean on him, just know he will use it, and he will make the best things come out of it that you could ever imagine. Um, I mean, think of Jesus. he, could have, you know, he was sent down to sacrifice himself for us. He could have avoided it, obviously. Yeah. He could have just, like, kept preaching and done his thing and not gone through any pain. Yeah. But he chose to do that because he knows, like, he chose to do that for us. Yeah. And we can follow that example and know, like, that's what will bring you closest to God. Like, that's when Jesus' closest to us is in our suffering. Yeah. So, and there's so much more to life and to life outside of this than pain and suffering so like with if you just keep that perspective and know that god will use it it makes everything a lot easier to go through
1: yeah yeah that's wonderful um i think your story is is truth of that in that a lot of the hard things that you've been through has helped you be the worship leader that you are and the youth leader that you are and it's not avoiding the past pain but saying okay i'm gonna i'm gonna praise god through this and i think that's you know i think that's what we feel when you sing right so. and it's a we do we do all right so last question if there was one bible verse so you have more than one um, but if there were like one or two scriptures that that you love right that you hold on to um, these are the ones that when you're driving you just hear in your head um, they're the ones that you know, when you have those moments, you're like, I, I know this to be true. Um, what would those verses be?
0: Yeah. So one that's really helped me, I guess it's kind of on the nose to what I talked about, but it's um, Romans chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. And it just says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Yeah. So, yeah, just a reminder that... God will use our suffering, and he'll use it to make us who he designed us to be and give us the hope of God and heaven through that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Sarah, I appreciate um, so much of what you do for this church. I appreciate your willingness to journey along with God through pain and through suffering, through questions and doubts, to not give up on that. Um, even, even moving to a new state and not giving up on that. Cause it could have been a very clean break where you're like, this is stupid, new place. Let me kind of ignore all the things in the past and just kind of take this new, new, um, avenue because I, cause I think so much of your pursuit of Jesus and who he is and what he means to you, um, I, that is very much felt in this church in the way that you and Ryan both play and serve and lead people and host and all the things that you guys do, you know, it's really easy for me to sit on this side of the table and say, hey, it's felt, and it's felt in, in huge ways. And um, we're thankful for that. We're thankful that at 20, you were like, I think I can do music. And someone's <laughs> like, you need to do this because it's been such a blessing um, for this church. Thank and you. um just thankful for you guys. Mm-hmm. Thankful for you sharing your story today. And um, taking that a little bit deeper and so people get to know more of the heart behind the guitar and the <laughs> voice. So thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunities. I don't know where I'd be without it. So. Thanks, Sarah.